morning, if we could. John chapter 5, verses 18 to 26. Jay, if you could help me, maybe it's just a little echoey. It might be just me, my hearing. I am over 50 now, but could be my problem. If that, you've just dull it, that sounds better, yep. Uh, John chapter 5, verses 18 to 26. Love you to turn your Bibles there. I will put it up on the screen soon, but um, I thought I'd just... Uh, uh, I want to read this passage before we start this morning. Five things, five things I've learned about being a father after I thought I knew it all. Who of the dads here this morning thought, I'll be right, I've got this thing nailed down and then they had children <laughs> and it's been a learning process ever since. Only me? Um, <laughs> okay, because the reality is I discovered something about me as a dad when I had children. I thought that I'd kind of worked out all the selfish parts of me in the first four years of marriage before I had children and then I had children and then I realized how more selfish I was like I realized that I appreciated my sleep and uh, my children didn't always allow me to have that and so I had to work through that one and sort it out and there was a whole bunch of stuff thank you very much Sal. I had to work out that I thought I knew it all but the truth is there's things I didn't know about being a father or being a parent and, and the reality is, I'm like you this morning. Um, if, you, I've, if you've made a mistake, I've probably made it as well. But I, I'm thankful that I serve a heavenly father who is incredibly good and understanding and gracious to me as a dad or as a parent this morning. Uh, and if you're here today and you're not a parent, that's okay. Just take notes because this is what you'll face in the future. Is that okay? So Ben and Naomi, you'll be right. You're good. If you're single here this morning... And um, but maybe one day you will be married and you'll, have, uh, you'll be a father or you'll be a mother. If you've got no plans to ever be married, that's okay. You can still be a mother and father to the next generation, can't we? Uh, we can still care for those behind us. And I think that's in, in, incredibly important. Uh, so I just want to read a passage of Scripture to you. And um, it's just John chapter 5, verse 19 to 26. It says, can, can I just um, preface this passage? by saying what's happening here in this passage is that Jesus has just, um, the, the Pharisees come along and they want to persecute Jesus because he said this, he said that I'm the son of God. And they couldn't handle that because they could think no human being on the face of the earth could ever declare that they were the son of God. That God in heaven, their God in heaven, would be someone's heavenly father, literally. And they couldn't come to grips with that and so we see that would make Jesus equal with God, and so they wanted to persecute Jesus. So Jesus gives them a response about his heavenly Father, and what he does is he shares about God in heaven, and what he actually says is, this is what my God in heaven is like, and this is how he treats me. He's incredible. So let's read this passage. It says in verse 18, For this reason they tried all the more to kill him, that's Jesus. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, that is the, the particular day they had as a rest day, but he was also... But he was even calling God his own father, making him equal with God. So Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so even so the Son gives life to whom He pleases to give it. Now, let's go down to verse 26. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. 
I want to talk to you not only this morning about the things that I've learned since being a dad and the things that I thought I had nailed down and yet I'm still learning, but I also want you to see out of this passage how Jesus spoke about his father because he speaks about his father in heaven in pretty glowing terms. You would agree? There's some things he says there that are pretty good. And I started to think about this passage and I thought, would it be wonderful if my children would say about me what Jesus said about his heavenly father? Would that be a great thing? That my kids would grow up and eventually say, that's what my dad is. Remember, there's a process. So this morning you may say, well, my kids are never going to say that at the moment. That's okay. They're still teenagers. They will get married one day and ring you up and say, hey, I just want to thank you. Isn't that true? I had my daughter from Brisbane ring me this morning. And I remember as a 13-year-old, I'll be honest, she wanted to go out with the 18-year-olds. This is Gabrielle, because she's not here. It's okay, we can talk about it. Isn't that fine? And, uh, and she was 13. She wanted to go out with the 18-year-olds in the church. And they said, hey, you're not going to go out with the 18-year-olds because you're 13. She thought she was 18. I, I, one of the lessons I've learned that kids who are 13 think they're older than they are, especially the girls. Is that okay, dads? You understand what I'm talking about? And um, sometimes when they're eight, they think they're 13. Anyway, uh, I said no. And so she said to me, well, I hate you. Would that ever come out of the lips of Gabriel? You wouldn't think so. But in her, in her emotion, she says, I hate you. I said, uh, that's okay, darling. You'll get over it. <laughs> You're still not going out. <laughs> the 18-year-olds. She since apologized and... Yeah, it was kind of one of those 13-year-old little, let me test the water how much I get. And you know, I'd rather my kids tell me the truth than tell me a lie, so <laughs> that's what she did. So you know, the things that our children, I don't know, why did I share that? I don't know, it doesn't matter. It was, so the reality is, is that I'd love my kids one day to be able to say the things that Jesus said about his Heavenly Father say about me. So let's see what they say. And also in this process, there's five things that I've really learned that I thought I knew. The first thing is really simple. In verse 19 of this passage, you'll see that Jesus says, My, the son, talking about himself, can do nothing of himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Jesus was saying, my father is a great example. Can you see that? He was just basically saying, my father is a great example. Isn't that true? How many times have we heard it said, he's just like his father, or she's just like a father, or she's just like a mother, or he's just like his mother? And for some of us, that can be an incredible compliment. Sometimes, it's not. <laughs> but I'd hope it would be. Uh, because something I learned since becoming a dad is I can't choose. I didn't choose to be an example to my kids. I didn't choose to be an influence to them. I just am. You have kids, you're going to be an example. You're going to be an influence. I didn't choose that. It just comes along with this thing called parenting, doesn't it? And so you can't, while you can't choose it, what I've discovered is you can choose the example that you want to be. Can't choose to be an example, you can just choose the example you want to be. And so, uh, you know, we've got to make a decision, I suppose, and uh, what kind of example we want to be. Uh, Jesus said, my father is a great example. Now, I don't want to compare us to God because really God's the ultimate but I love what Jesus said. Jesus says, my father's just a great example. I'd love to think my kids would say that one day about me. I'd love that all of our young people in this church would say about the older people in our church, hey, they're just a great examples. They're just great examples. Uh, you know, for my daughters and our young people to say, you know what? My mom and dad are great examples. Um, 
Some of the things that children learn from us as parents, there's many things, and we'd spend all morning on just this thought, but what these thoughts alone. But let me just quickly, you know, one of the things they learn is our work ethic, don't they? They, they learn about our attitudes towards work. Um, another thing that I've found that's really important that children learn is that our sons observe the way that our, we, as fathers, treat our wives. Isn't that true? So they'll observe that, and you know what? They'll take their cues from their dads because that's what they see. Of all the men in their life, that's where they'll take their cues from, the way that we treat our wives. In actual fact, probably vice versa too, the way that wives treat husbands as well determines what daughters get an example of. So if we're to have sons, that's incredibly important because um, we influence our children on who they pick to get married to some extent. I've discovered something else, uh, that our daughters get a picture of the sort of man they want to marry through the example of the dad and how they treat the woman or the wives. So that's incredibly important. Young girls' expectations in their own relationships is largely derived from what they observe, how their dad treats their mum. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Are we all okay with that? That's the reality of it, isn't it? And that's why, you know, that, that's the truth of it. And, you know, one of the things that I've discovered is that their expectation, what, what examples will they use? Well, I pray that they'll use the examples they see in their own home or what they see, because that's an important place to discover these things. You know, one of the things I learned after I thought I knew it all was that when I buy a bunch of flowers for my wife for Valentine's Day or maybe Mother's Day or just not any special significant event, but just buy a bunch because it's a great thing to do and all the husbands said, yeah, all the wives said. (laughs) Um, So one of the things I discovered is I actually not only buy a bunch for my wife, I would buy a single one buy another bunch and separate it and put it in each of my daughter's bedrooms because that was kind of showing them that that's the kind of man that they need to find and so I'd, I'd buy get this, another bunch take a single rose put it in a vase fill it up with water and leave it in their bedroom and when they come home from school they they came to actually expect it after a while and if I didn't get it there in time they'd ask me what's wrong dad you <laughs> And so I didn't say to them, this is the kind of man you need to marry. I was just giving them examples of who they... They need to find someone who's willing to buy... And it's more than just buying flowers, I understand that. But th- that was a good start because that were, th- the person they married would be established by the parameters they saw me setting for them and how I love my wife. Um, because the most significant men in our daughter's lives, dads, for a season will be you and me and we need to learn how to treat women uh, from our uh, you know that's all we need to do which is incredibly exciting because as fathers and as mothers this morning we have this opportunity to shape the next generation and to ensure good relationships and strong families wouldn't you agree we have the opportunity you have the opportunity to do that and uh, that's important so we see that we can influence and be an example in our kids and their work we can be an example in the kids and how we treat our spouse. We can be an example how we how they treat money. That's important. They put that in the right priority. How they treat stuff. Oh man, how they stuff is a biggie. You know, I've discovered that there's kind of like four relationships you really got to get right in life. 
The first one is your relationship with yourself. You really got to work that one out. The second one is your relationship with others. You really got to work that one through too. And the third one is your relationship with stuff. Because if you can work out and put stuff in the right priority in life and not let it, um, you know, master you, but you master it and keep it in the right priority, man, your, your children will take on that value as well and how they treat stuff. You know, keep it in the right context. We need stuff. I'd like a bike like that. That'd be brilliant. Um, but it's okay. I, I don't really need it, but, you know. But the truth is, it's, it's got a place, but it, doesn't, it needs to be kept in the right priority. And our children take their cues from us. Our cues from us, don't they? We've got to be aware of that. So how we treat stuff, have put it in the right relationship. And fourthly, we need to get our relationship not only with ourselves and with others and with stuff, but also with God, because our children largely also will example and follow how we do that as well and how we build a relationship with God. The truth is our children will not follow God because of what we tell them to do as much as what we show them to do. Um, because in other words, it's, it's, not, not, it's not kind of telling them all the time, well, have you read your Bible? Have you if you're talking to God, are you... Now, there's nothing wrong at times asking him those questions, but if it's not prefaced or if it's not, not shared and, and, and established on the relate and built a foundation of relationship with them, they'll, they'll never, you know, they'll never acknowledge that or they'll never follow through with that um, unless they see genuine examples of it in our lives. Would you agree? You know... Um, so they want to see something genuine. They want to see, they want to example us. They want, your kids want every opportunity to, to follow your example. And why don't we give them every opportunity to do that? So we see that the, uh, Jesus literally said, come on, my father's a great example. And if leadership is influence, then fatherhood and motherhood is the ultimate form of leadership ultimate form of leadership and if you're a and the truth is if you're a single mum here today I just want to encourage you because you have an opportunity to influence your children in an incredible way for good you have an opportunity even though you may be by yourself if you're a single dad here today you have an opportunity so so we see Jesus said this my my father's an incredible example here's the here's the second one that I love John chapter 5 verse 20 it says for the father loves the son full stop really easy jesus knew it wasn't so important that god loved jesus it's the fact that jesus knew that that his father loved him and i want to tell you your kids might suspect that you love them but have you ever told them that you love them because if they know it i tell you what your kid has got so much more security in life when they know that no matter how far they may go this way or that way or stray, if they know that they come back to a place that mum and dad love me, I tell you, they'll be back. They'll be back. My father, Jesus said, loves me. As I grew up as a child, um, uh, through my child years, my teenage years, and then my adult years, I came to understand something in my adult years that my dad had never actually said the words, I love you, son. Never said them. And I suspected he did love me because he looked after me. He bought me things. <laughs> and as a 17-year-old, that means love. <laughs> no, but, um, but more than that, he would 
he, he was kind. He spent time with me. So I suspected that my dad loved me. I just never heard it. And so I always kind of thought in my older years, maybe from 30 on, that is dad ever going to say those words to me? Now, I discovered the reason that he'd never said them to me is mainly because he'd he probably didn't realize the importance of it in my life. And secondly, he had a father that was a pretty bit of a mongrel. And so he, is that okay to say that word in church? <laughs> it's just, his dad wasn't real good to him. And so he, he really didn't have an example. But I'm, I'm glad my dad, at the, when I was 40 years of age and when he was 70 years of age, he came up to me and he told me one day, he just said, I, I just want you to know I love you. I said, what was that, Dad? <laughs> what was that? He said, I, I love you. I said, thanks, Dad. And we kind of went, yeah, that's okay. And we walked away again. <laughs> 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 yeah. But I, I, started to under, I started to wonder, why was that so important for me as a child to hear those words from my dad, and I, and I realized because this is the man that had brought me up, and this is the man that had, that, that had instilled some wonderful qualities in me, and always cheered me on, and being a great dad, and, and uh, in many ways sought to be the dad that his dad wasn't to me, but he, he just didn't know how to show emotion sometime, and he just, and, and, and finally he did, and it was so special. I remember at the age of 40, I also conducted my grandmother's funeral, my dad's mum's funeral. And we had a great funeral, and afterwards we had afternoon tea, and people would come up, and as they do, and say, oh, thank you for the funeral, you've done a great job. So I said, oh, thank you. And then my dad walked up to me and said, and he commended me for the funeral. He said, you did a great job, boy. He always called me boy, and that was fine, because I was. He was his first boy. And you know, all those people had said something, but when my dad said it, it meant so much more. You see, Jesus knew that he was loved, I pray that our children will never, never have to question the fact that they are loved by their mum and dad. Let's make sure that they never have to question it. Never have to question it. You know, there was a, there was a time in Jesus' life when he, he was with, he took Peter, James and John in um, Mark chapter 9. They went up on a mountain and on that mountain something fairly amazing happened. And Elijah and Moses, who had been dead for decades, centuries, came and actually ascended and talked to Jesus on that mountain. And it was just an amazing thing happened. And Peter, James, and John are like, wow, this is, a, this is far out. This is amazing. And Peter stood up and Peter said, he said something, hey, Jesus, this is amazing. Let's set up camp here and let's have a, a great little conference right here. And then at that moment, out of the clouds came this voice from God, from God the Father from heaven. This is my beloved son whom I love dearly. Listen to him. An audible voice from God. And what was Jesus literally saying? What was sorry, God saying there? He was saying, hey, you got Elijah who represents the prophets and Moses who represents the law of the Old Testament. But Jesus is the new covenant, the new promise. He's who you really need to listen to because he encompasses the law. He encompasses the prophetic. He's everything you need. And so that's what God was doing. But more than that, I see that he was commending his son in front of other people. He was saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I love him. Listen to him. And I want to tell you, dads and mums this morning, if you want to just really see your sons and daughters shine, don't just commend them 
to everybody, but never let them hear. But every now and then, may they just hear how much you love them and appreciate them and uh, how much you, you feel about them. Even do it in front of their friends. Now, they'll walk away and say, oh, God, don't say that now. But I tell you, just like our Heavenly Father commended His Son in front of everybody, I tell you, it's such a wonderful thing to commend your children. And you say, some of you are saying, but I've got to find things to commend them for. You'll find it if you look hard enough. I think it's a good thing. God the Father knew how important it was. But, you know, you might say, but Jesus was totally God and should understand those things. Well, how much important if God did it for his son that we should do it for ours, our children, hey? Isn't it great when God, when our dads commend us, they say, hey, well done, well done. Can I just say that the Bible says something really important because I don't always get it right. The Bible actually says love covers a multitude of sins. And there's times when I've done it wrong and I've said things wrong and I've been a bit hard on my children or I've done something wrong. And there's times when I've walked up to my kids, especially when they were younger, and I had to apologize to them. And I just got down on their level and I just said, I'm sorry for what I said and did. That wasn't right. And I want to tell you that our kids, when that, what, one of the things that helps them to see reality and establish a good, healthy relationship with you is your vulnerability as a parent. Your honesty. And a little bit of a, you know, honest emotion with them doesn't go astray. Would you agree? And in the end, I think, and I say, I love you. I'm sorry for what I did. And it just has wonderful. My imperfections can be covered by the love. Okay, the love of God. And the love in my heart for them. And, and it's just so honest to be honest. It's so good to be honest. Here's the third thing I was thinking about that I thought I had it together and I had to learn. And Jesus said this, my father taught me. In verse 20, it says, the father loves the son and shows him all he does. So obviously what's happening here is that God, Jesus is saying, God has taught me so much. And he shares with me and he gives me, you know, he doesn't hold back from me. And I love this thought because he's saying, my father has invested in my life. He's helped me to gain wisdom. He's helped me in all these areas. And what a great thing to be able to say that, that, that my mum and dad taught me and set me up for success to even do better than they did. That's what my parents want to see me happen, even do better than I did. Well, that would be a wonderful thing if our kids walk around and say, hey, I'm going to do better because my parents want me to do better than even they did. And to impart the things we know and to teach them from our success and also from our failings. See, being a dad and mum is being about real, being real, isn't it? And it's, it's sometimes that I can just share with my, my, my kids that, hey, I, I didn't do so well in this area. And you know what? You can set them up so that they never fall into the same trap that you did. Isn't that good news? And it's good to... It's, and you've got to give them time to do that. You've got to spend time in doing that. And just sharing with them reality, teaching them, uh, helping them understand. And, um, you know, when they make mistakes, I know that, you know, some of your, ki your kids are pretty perfect. I understand that. They never make mistakes. But the reality is they just may make a mistake in the future. And uh, you know what? That's the time not to jump on them sometimes and be really hard because you're really concerned they'll make the mistake that you made and the things that you did wrong and you don't want them to go there. I understand that, but that's not the time to jump on them. That's the time to help them to understand 
And a soft answer turns away wrath and anger, doesn't it? And that's a great time. And, 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 you know, I find that there's a time when you can just be honest and vulnerable about you as a dad and mum. And I tell you, God want to cover, covers that and he can make that relationship so much better between you and your children. Amen. Because we make mistakes as parents. Uh, and you, we've all seen our parents make mistakes. Uh, that's a reality. Um, so we have to be careful we don't come down hard sometimes because we see them making the mistakes that we made. Um, and particularly in relation to the, the things of God, because you can't force feed them religion. Um, You've got to just, you know, that, that won't happen. You've got to example it. You can't make them love God. Is that true? Our children don't need our wrath sometimes as much as our understanding. Uh, you know, each of my children I've taught to drive. Any dads here have taught their children to drive? Okay. Not a whole lot. Wow. Well, you know, I taught my children to drive and I found that, you know, if you've had a full day's work and you come home and jump in the car and take them out driving, you've got to be careful you don't hammer them every time they make a simple mistake. I, I, I learned this. <laughs> you know, and so, but, but it's an opportunity to help them and to, because you've got them entrapped, you know, in that car they can't move you got them there for the whole hour whatever and and you've got to uh, and it's a great opportunity to talk them through and when they make a mistake it's always a great opportunity to not hammer them necessarily but just say hey we can do that a little bit differently you know when my daughter put her foot on the accelerator instead of the brake and we're lurching forward towards a tree you know you've got to resist the temptation to scream at them when they're running off the road and there's a ditch like just inches away you got to Visit, calmly say, turn the steering wheel to the right. So, but you know, I've discovered my children learn more about me and even God's grace when we, we don't hammer them in the times when they make a mistake because they know they've made a mistake. They just need us to say, hey, you didn't do that well, but... We can do better. That's okay. Hey, it's okay. When my daughter had a little car accident, she didn't need her father yelling at her. When I had a car accident at the age of 17, it, it wasn't a big one. I just bumped something. My dad didn't yell at me. I was so glad of that, but I, I thought he should. You know, it, it, it's an opportunity to be balanced. You don't want to talk about this morning. Just to be balanced in how we respond in life. Your child breaks a glass in the kitchen. You know, Michelle and I have, have, have now for years stopped getting upset and saying, just a glass. <laughs> you buy plastic ones, someone says. <laughs> see, it's an, it's an opportunity to help them to see that they can go further than you can go. I, I love that thought. Here's the fourth one. Here's another one that in verse 20, it says, For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that they will be amazed. My father encourages me to go further. And I've kind of mentioned that in the previous one, but he does. Not only do I, do I Jesus says I love him, not only does he love me, not only does he, but he wants me to do greater things than he's ever done. In other words, God isn't boasting just about himself, he's, but he's, he's, he's encouraging his son to go even further and accomplish even greater things. And what a great thing when our children say, my mum and dad are my greatest fans. 
My mum and dad are my greatest fans. And God describes himself, I've discovered, as the God of generations. In other words, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And what he's really saying is there that the generation previous can be encouraged and instructed by the generation... Sorry, the generation previous can encourage and instruct the generation after them. And to encourage them to go further. And generation builds upon generation upon generation. So the generations in the future are even better than we are. Isn't that brilliant? So that the world doesn't get worse, it gets better. I think that's a great thing. And we can influence our kids to do greater things. Because God is a generational God. And He wants to see generations become better and stronger and love God more and accomplish greater things for Him. Uh, You know, as I walk through the school grounds of my daughter's school at the moment, um, I'm not James Hewitt. I'm Lydia's dad. Think about it for a second. I have no identity in her school except the one she gives me through how she behaves and how she goes about life and how she relates to teachers. I've got no identity because they don't know me at that school. I walk through there and they say, oh, you're Lydia's dad. And I couldn't be prouder. I don't need an identity in that school. I've got one. I'm Lydia's dad. And isn't it a great thing as a parent... Because, look, the reality is, let's be honest about this, um, if your kid isn't doing so well, you never, they never usually say, oh, oh, you're Lydia's, oh, you're Lydia's dad. They never say that. <laughs> but if she's doing okay, they say, oh, you're Lydia's dad. And, and I couldn't be proud of that. And my identity is different, you know. And the truth is, is because I think she's doing better at school than I ever did. And I'm excited about that. Uh, I, I didn't school it was good and in the end it clicked into gear about grade 9 or 10 but up to that point um, school was just school but it's so good just to be see your own children do well and go further than you did and you know as a church maybe we'd be a church that empowers the next generation amen maybe we never get upset when our younger people outstride us maybe just cheer them on Maybe we'll be a church that, you know, uh, if, some, if a younger person gets an opportunity and, and we as an older person, or, and I'm not trying to define ages and old, but, you know, oh, how come they get it? Well, why not? Because I often discover when younger people are doing well, there's an older person behind them usually cheering them on. So in actual fact, that's my victory as well as theirs when they do well. So Why not? Why, why can't as older people, we be a part of it by on the sideline going, yay, cheering our younger people on in the things of God and all that's God. See, I'm a hopeless lover of sport, and especially when my children are playing sport, and I had three daughters, so I never got an opportunity to watch football. Um, I probably need to come along with some of you guys and watch your boys play football just to get my daily dose of it, but, or my weekly dose of it, but I've watched netball for the last 20 years. And I am the best netball player dad you've ever seen. Even though I've never stepped on the court, I know it all, I think. So, you know, for the last 20 years, I've watched somewhere in the vicinity of 220 games. And the good thing about watching those games is, is I've probably only missed about a dozen. And I've been there on the side. And one of the things that I've learned as a dad, they don't, the daughters or your sons, don't necessarily want you as an embarrassing embarrassment on the sideline, but they do want your presence there. 
Does that make sense? They don't want you screaming, you know, at the ref and being dragged off by police. They do want your presence there. And they may never acknowledge it, but they're glad you're there. And I think we need to be cheering them on, don't we? We need to be speaking to their lives, finding things that we can encourage them with. And if at the moment you can't find too many things, find something. <laughs> Start with that. Here's the last one. Here is another thing that Jesus said about his father, and something that I thought I knew, but I'm, I'm still learning. It says in, in, in verse 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. As a Father has life, so the Son has life. Something about the Father imparted life into the Son. I think Jesus was incredibly balanced. He grew in statue. He grew in favor with men, with God, it says in Luke's Gospel. He, it, there's something that was imparted into this young man as he grew up. I know he's the Son of God, but... Because his father had life, the son had life. And what does life mean? Well, life means a lot of things in Scripture. But one of the things I think it means is that in our homes, we need to have some life. We need to have some life. And I want to encourage, if your mum have some life about you, if your dad have some life about you, I want my children certainly um, to love Christ with all their heart. But don't let that experience become something dead religiously because we're trying to force feed it. Let it come naturally as we love God and find that our kids take on the same attributes that we have. And so as a dad... Um, we've got to be careful that we ha how we respond because they take their cues from us and have some life. And one of the things about having life in a family is having some fun. Having fun in the family. Um, and sometimes we can forget that because we get so busy. Isn't that true? I'm talking about myself here. I get busy, busy, busy. You know, when my girls were younger, one of the things we used to do is we used to have play hide and seek in the house with the lights turned off man i could scare them silly i tell you and they loved it but i found my girls hiding in the linen cupboard in the clean towels and sheets i find them hiding under the clean washing because they've tipped the whole basket on themselves in a corner of the room and trying to hide i found them under our doona you know with their muddy little feet and all that type of stuff and and you know what i decided i decided to stop you know, get over yourself and not get upset when they're hiding and don't yell, get out of that linen cupboard, you'll mess up the clean sheets. Or get out, we just made the bed. What? No, it, it's sometimes, folks, you give them clear references and clear guidelines and just allow yourself to work within those and have some fun. Would you agree? And let there be life. Let there be life in the house. It may mean turning off the actual television and pull out a board game and play. Last night, you know, we just played um, Phase 10. If you want some, who's ever played Phase 10 with a kid? Great game, great game. Yours might be a bit young at the moment to play with, sister, but you know, it'll come the day when you can introduce them to the world of board games. This man's got 150. We've got about 50 games, board games. And over the years, we've just sat down at the kitchen table after dinner and we've just done some fun things. Didn't get it right all the time, folks. In actual fact, I'm still not getting it right. But I've learned some things and I'm still learning. And I pray that if there's, there's a prayer in my heart that one day our kids will rise up and say, hey, I just, 
want to tell you, my mum and dad are a great example. Or mum and dad try their best, and I just appreciate them. They didn't get it right, but they tried their best. I want, to, I want to have that said about me, what Jesus said about God, his heavenly Father. And I want to encourage us today that maybe here, and you say, well, I haven't got it all right as a parent. Well, you can kind of just join my little group. But I want to say that we can start today because it just says today can be a new day. Hey, you can just make a determined thought, make an effort, make a, 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 a say, hey, some things can change. I've discovered I can't change my past, but I can certainly change my future by the decisions I make today and tomorrow in the future. And I would just encourage us as parents, is if anything of this is rang true with you today, would you just take one little thing? And say, hey, we could do that. Now, you've got to fit it into your family. You can't do what I've done, or you can't even take some of the examples I've given. They mightn't work for you. That's fine. If they do work, pinch them. Take them and use them. I've got a whole bunch of other things that we used to do too, but I haven't got time to talk about it all. But I just want to encourage us. What, you know, as you build into your family a family that just does time together, because your kids don't hang around for eternity, do they? They leave. I've got two daughters married now and they're gone. I've got one left. We might hang on to her for the rest of her life, but we'll see. She doesn't want that to happen. I know that. <laughs> what are you saying, Malcolm? Well, you're trying to get rid of my life. <laughs> but I don't encourage us, you know. I had a dad who... Um, he didn't do it well or perfect, but he certainly tried his very best. I'm so grateful to him, and I love him dearly. He died, you know, he died when he was 76. So he died, he died six years after he told me he loved them, and I spent those six years knowing that. It was such an incredible encouragement to me. And, and if you're a dad or mom, and just got to say that, let me encourage you. If you can't say it verbally, just write them a little letter. Start that way. And at the end, just write, I love you. It's a, just do it gradually. Because I know the generation before mine, emotion wasn't shown that much by men. You know? And you're not a wimp when you say, I love you. Amen, men? Not a wimp. In actual fact, you're a man for it. So how about we stand this morning as we close? Can I pray for you today as parents? Not just dads, but mums and dads. Which allowed me the privilege of just praying that 